yeah, embodied, like no sorries, no apologies type of way of being. Not that you want to stomp all over people. (laughs) In fact, it's not even that at all. It's just more of a texture and a color and a flavor of being. And so I think that's magnetic and that's attractive to people because who really wants to be in scarcity and always feeling like they need to get better and trying to prove themselves to others? Like no one really wants that. That sucks. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 51 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. You guys, I am recording this intro coming at you live, sort of, from Costa Rica, and I'm actually recording this on my phone, believe it or not. So if the audio quality isn't up to our usual standards, don't worry, the interview is our usual setup, so it is great, but maybe you guys can hear all of the birds and the bugs and all of the nature sounds in the back, but this place is absolutely beautiful, breathtaking, jaw-dropping. If you follow me on Instagram, which is Marie E. Wold, you'll have seen lots of behind the scenes, and then I'm also going to have a travel vlog going up on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Marie Wold. So yeah, this has been an incredible trip, but I wanted to get this episode up for you guys. So recording from a phone, coming at you live from Costa Rica, but about this episode, you guys, prepare to be mind blown, prepare to have your heart broken open and your soul set on fire because the incredible Libby Crow is here to talk about being a queen and fully owning and embodying our feminine energy. I first started following her for her mic drop worthy captions. Then I learned that she is a global mentor for entrepreneurs. Libby founded LC International, a marketing strategy company for digital consultants and co-founders. Founded the Daily Shift, a personal development company for aspiring and accomplished entrepreneurs alike. Her jam is really helping entrepreneurs see their business journeys as a bridge to raising the vibration of the planet, being in service to others, and then later as a portal for giving back philanthropically and creating a life that they love. But honestly, you guys, whether you are an entrepreneur, a nine to fiver, a mom, a student, whatever you might be, this episode is truly, truly for everyone. We can all do better at being queens and embracing that feminine energy and truly stepping into that feminine power. And I know that you're going to love Libby. She is basically that girl that I think that everyone just dreams of having in their corner. Like she's so sweet and so badass at the same time. And she is teaching her clients to kick ass in their businesses by stepping into what they have always dreamed of doing while being who they've always dreamed of being. Like it's so epic and you will finish this episode feeling insanely inspired to approach each and every decision you make with new eyes, new ears, new tools, and new mindset tricks and frameworks to rework your own patterns and live a life with more intention, more badassery, and more girl power. That is what this episode is 
all about. And before we jump in to the interview, we do not have a review of the week because I would love to give you guys one more week to go ahead and submit your entries for the 50th episode giveaway. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back to the last episode and listen to that one. I talk all about it, but basically we are hooking two lucky ladies up with some awesome prizes and you definitely don't want to miss it. Each person wins, I think it's like $150 worth of prizes. So go check out episode number 50 and get on that because next week we will announce the winner. And last but not least, before we jump into the episode, this one is brought to you by my skincare obsession, Tula. You guys know they are literally my ride or die and I have been using their products exclusively since the first month, I think, of 2018. It's been well over a year and my skin has never been better. All of their products are clean and effective and great for all skin types. They have an amazing skin quiz on their website. So go check that out and see what products would be a great fit for you. And then enter code Marie at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Again, that is Tula, T-U-L-A.com and your 20% off code is Marie. Now let's get into the good stuff. Hello, Libby. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm super excited. So for those listening who have not been following you on Instagram or just aren't familiar with you, can you give us a quick rundown of who Libby is, what you do, who you help, kind of your origin story, if you will? Absolutely. Well, I'm from a small town in Wyoming, and now I live in beautiful Venice Beach, California. So That'll give you a taste of how much I've changed from this small town girl to badass boss babe here. <laughs> Own it. I love it. But, uh, I was an elementary teacher when I first found out that you could be an entrepreneur. Actually, I was a first and second grade teacher and I learned about this network marketing company, which I was like, what? I don't even know what this is. I don't even know how to say the word entrepreneur. What is this? But it intrigued me. And at the time I was super unhealthy and this was like a wellness-based network marketing company. And So I just was like, yeah, okay, I want to get healthy and I want to help other people. I love people. I'm good at helping people. And I just started and I I learned so much and I grew so much and I started making a lot of money and was successful. And I was like, whoa, what is this world of leadership and creating your own reality? I was just kind of shook and excited by the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. After about six months of that, which I kind of do things extreme, like zero or a hundred, so I a hundred percent went in. <laughs> yeah. And after about six months, I left my teaching career because I was doing so good and I was inspired. And I saw these people just kicking butt, and I thought, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. So I didn't look back, and people thought I was crazy, and I thought they were. <laughs> I was like, there's these opportunities out there, and you guys aren't going for them. What? And and so really, it started all then. That was my first dose of entrepreneurship, and that led actually to creating a lot of different companies of my own. So I left the network marketing company mm-hmm. after some time, realized that I could have my own brand and develop my own products, courses, retreats, workshops, etc. And from there, had businesses all under the realm of coaching and mentorship and wellness and life coaching and then later in in business mentorship, which is what I do now. Because I was so successful in my other companies, people kept asking me, can you be my business mentor? I was like, no, I'm not a business mentor. I'm just really good at my businesses. And then people kept saying, 
please help me, please help me, you know? So I started and that really led to me loving being able to support other entrepreneurs and teach them what I know when it comes to strategy and marketing and building a soulful brand. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at now. You know, I'm really grateful for the path and all the stepping stones. And now I'm able to help people in their business. A lot of coaches and service-based entrepreneurs grow. So a lot of business mentorship, but of course, I always offer the soul and, and the life nuggets and wisdom in mm-hmm. the content I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one thing that really drew me to you. Like when I first found your Instagram and started watching your stories and stuff, I was in that place where it's like entrepreneurship is all like hustle, grind, work hard, like do all the things all the time, like super masculine energy, right? Like I was just like in that mode and I was of the belief that that's how you have to operate in order to be successful. And I stumbled upon your page and you were like talking about how entrepreneurship can be like feminine and flowy and soulful and like all of these softer things that I I swear I was like mind blown when I heard that. I was like, wait, I can be successful and like not be pushing, hustling, grinding, you know, all that stuff. I can operate from a place of like just soul and love and like attract people to me that was mind-blowing to me so that was my first experience finding you and I think that's what makes you really kind of unique in like the entrepreneur business mentor space ah thanks yeah you know the only reason why I can speak to it is because I had to go through my own journey too where we always have masculine and feminine we always have the shiva the shakti we always have both sides the yin and the yang and business in itself is very masculine because it's a doing of things in a certain way Mm -hmm. right it's not flow and and letting go. It's like, nope, do these things. Yeah. In itself, it is. And we can bring in those more feminine qualities or those softer qualities that allow it to be accessible for the long term. Because what happens mm. to a lot of people, and what happened to me too, is they go hardcore in the masculine because they're in survival, which I was. I mean, I quit my teaching career. So yeah, got to make money, you know, and, or they're just so passionate and, or they're putting pressure on themselves or there's some external pressure or something. So of course we go into that mode and, and then also it's fun and we're having a good time. So there's all this momentum that comes and then we're going to burn out if we're not integrating the feminine before burnout. And unfortunately, you know, I don't really know anyone who's been in the game longer than five years who hasn't gone through burnout. So Mm -hmm. it is really important that you found this message and that so many people are starting to look at it like an opportunity to really honor both of those energies within themselves, not just, okay, I'm going to be masculine in my business, then I'm going to go get a blowout and that's femininity. Like, no, that's something that you can do for self-care, but there's a way to integrate the energy of femininity or softness or whatever you want to call it into the doing. Yep. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it applies like so far beyond entrepreneurship too. Like, I know that people say that the millennial generation is just programmed and like conditioned to always be trying to like hustle, do more, achieve more, do all of the things. And so I think that that's, you know, that applies to more than just people who run their own businesses or in kind of the business world. And it's such an important message, especially for women, because like you said, if we keep trying to push past our like desire and craving to incorporate both types of energy, you'll inevitably burn out. Like you cannot sustain that. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. You hit it on the head because yeah, of course it's not for entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship just amplifies these patterns, right? It just Mm. amplifies the way that you're being and doing. Yeah. Like a really big mirror for how you are yet, you know, life is a mirror in itself. So agree. This is like in your relationships and your friendships, the way you're being with yourself and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once I started making this shift and like kind of waking up to this idea, one thing that I was really confronted with is like how much I was attaching my self-worth and like how I, I guess, perceive myself. I was just attaching it to my accomplishments and what I could do and what I could achieve. So is that something that like you ever struggled with or how can we move away from that thought process? Yeah, it's a beautiful inquiry because I'm not sure if any of us have not attached our worth or our lovability or our likability to our accomplishments, whether Mm -hmm. it was in second grade or today, this morning, or whenever you're listening to this. For me, you know, the way I was raised is like you get A's on your report card, you receive love, right? And Mm. so or you perform really well at this band or choir concert or this softball game or whatever, and now you're loved and praised. So I made the correlation really young, like, okay, the better I do at things and the more efficiently I do, and like, then I'm going to have more love. And what do we all want? We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged. This is a human trait. So for me, Really, honestly, it wasn't all the self-work I did. It wasn't all that stuff, all the personal development that helped. But it wasn't until I met my now husband, Scott, honestly, that I was able to see like, whoa, it doesn't matter how much money I make in my business. It doesn't matter how many people I help. I'm loved because I'm me and that's enough. So it was with his love and his the way that he loves me honestly, is where I was able to finally see it. And, Mm. you know, it just depends on the person. Some people might find that within themselves. Some people might find that within relationship. Some people might have a friend that helps them see that. But for me, my romantic relationship with Scott, who's my husband, helped me really see myself as not someone who's, you know, great because of what I can do. It's, It's more of just an I am. And I would say that I'll probably be rewiring that for quite a while to come. But it was really that I was just like, wow, I really, really felt it in my body to be true that it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter the numbers in the bank. It doesn't matter the house I have. It only matters like the love I have for myself and the love I have with the people in my life. And that's enough. That's worthiness. That's significance. So so to me, yeah, it was this shifting. And yeah, it's wow. I was all I can say because – Once you conceptually understand that, and then when you start to embody that, there's almost this recalibration that happens within you that then educates what you're doing. It's like, well, if I don't have to prove I'm significant, do I need to post every single day on Instagram? Or Mm -hmm. I don't have to prove that I'm lovable. Do I need to answer that text or that email back within five minutes, right? So there's all these things, these micro little cosms that happen when you start to embody this concept of I am loved and worthy regardless. Mm -hmm. And that it just changes, honestly, everything. Like I think one of the biggest shifts that I experienced with that kind of flip is that I started attracting better things, right? Like I stopped pushing so hard. I stopped trying so hard. Like I stopped attaching all of everything to outcomes and things 
in every part of my life actually got better because I was like inviting them in instead of like chasing them down. (laughs) Yeah. It's like going from the hunter, it's like hardcore, like I'm going to go on the hunt and I'm going to go get Mm -hmm. to the person who can receive, which again is more feminine in nature. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about like Scott and your marriage and all that stuff, I think it's absolutely amazing that you share that side of your life because like you said, it was a huge like shift and pivot for you. So how would you say you were able to like attract someone like that who could be such a mirror for you? How did you become the type of person that, you know, can be in that kind of relationship? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I will say too, before I hop into that, I think it's groovy to share about your love publicly. Like I think so many people want to keep it private for their own reasons, but I think Mm -hmm. that if we're all here to love each other and a lot of us want to be in partnership, whether that's marriage or not, I think it's important that people who have created something really beautiful, share it and share why it's working and to help people with this. So I don't keep it private because it can help people, you know? Mm -hmm. And in terms of like how I attracted him. So number one, I never settled ever, maybe for like a month in a relationship, (laughs) you know, but like I always knew in my heart, nah, this isn't the right thing. How did I know that? And I dated for 16 plus years before I met Scott. Mm. I wouldn't call myself like a avid date or anything, but like, yeah, I dated consistently, like whether it was long-term relationships or a lot of first dates or whatever. And I just kept not settling. I kept knowing in my body, like this isn't how I'm supposed to feel if it's my person because I didn't feel more me when I was with someone. I almost felt less me when I was with someone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just knew, I was like, you know what? There's going to be someone that I can like pick my nose in front of. You know, there's (laughs) going to be someone that I can like part on their face and they don't think that's like awful. You know, there's going to be someone who doesn't think I'm too loud or I'm too ambitious or, you know, I get too excited or whatever. And there's going to be someone that's like, Oh my God, I love that. You just like jump up and down when I come home and you like tackle me, you know? Yeah. I know it because if that's how I want to operate, there has to be someone out there that wants to operate like me. And that is like me. And that's committed to the same values and visions as me. And so it was this number one, just belief in like, I don't believe in settling. The second thing was I really see myself. So like I have confidence and I think I'm an amazing human. I'm loving. I'm kind. I care a lot about people, about the earth. I like myself and I love myself. And so when you're not seeking a partnership out of desperation or to fill your own cup or to Mm -hmm. prove that, you know, you're awesome, you don't have to settle and you don't have to like stick with things that that are subpar. And so for me, because I saw myself, I would easily be able to say, okay, is this person going to meet me? Is this person going to be a match for me? And my discernment was super attuned because of the Mm -hmm. way I saw myself. And then, you know, third thing is I didn't have any fear of being alone forever. So I think people, especially in their thirties, a lot of my friends are in their thirties. They get this ticking clock, like tick, Oh my gosh, got to find a partner, got to get married, got to, you know? And I was always like, you know what? If I don't meet the person that I'm supposed to meet, like I'm down if it's just me and my dog, maybe I'll adopt a kid one day. Like I'm 100% down with that because I love my life that I've created. I love my friendships. Like I have a solid relationship with my mom. Like I feel good. So I think those three things really helped me be 
open to meeting the right people and to saying no to people that didn't feel like the right fit. And then, you know, when I met Scott, we were both in really different places in terms of our consciousness and awareness because Scott had been very cerebral and focused and driven and hadn't really had the container of what I call the divine feminine to help him kind of awaken in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And so I wouldn't say that you have to become some like person that's like, I have no baggage or wounding to meet my one. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be down with yourself and have the container of like, you know what, I can hold this and I can hold you. And if someone can kind of meet you in that, then, then it can go where it needs to go. That's kind of how I attracted it is I just focused on being great with myself Mm -hmm. in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And basically it like all of those things I feel like come back to self-worth and just having such a firm grasp of your self-worth and being so sure of your self-worth. And so I guess the next question is like, how have you always had that like innate belief in your self-worth or is that something that you have had to build and like cultivate over the span of your life? Mm -hmm. Both. So I've always known like, I have great social intelligence. I have great emotional intelligence. I'm pretty actually intelligent. Like I like myself. I feel like I'm pretty cool. But it was like layers of that that had to get looked at. So what I would equate it to really and how it became even deeper for me is I started to hire coaches when I you know, became an entrepreneur and I realized that personal development was a thing and all that. And I was like, oh, there is so much more love that I can have for myself. It was like I chiseled away at the layers of maybe worthiness attached to the achievements like we talked about before, or I deepened in the love. Like, yeah, I love myself, but do I love Mm. myself? Do I love my shadows? Do I love my mess ups and mistakes? Do I love, you know, my body? which fluctuates all the time in terms of weight and shape. And and like, do I really, really love me versus I love myself, right? Yeah. There's a difference. And so for me, having people in my corner, the coaches, the retreats, the workshops, all the stuff, the mentorship allowed me to actually chisel away at maybe some of the more light hearted, superficial love and go deep and penetrate into the truth and, and, I would say activate more unconditional love. So yeah, it wasn't just like I'm innately this like self-love guru. Yeah, (laughs) It was more so just, it was like, oh, okay, how can I go deeper here and have it feel a little bit more unshakable or have it feel a little bit more true Mm. and honest? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're all born with that, like, you know, the innate, beautiful, pure self-love. But over time, like as a kid, you get conditioned to believe certain things and your environment creates certain things. And there are just all of these layers on top of it that, you know, put conditions on it like, oh, you have to do this to be loved. You have to look this way to be loved. You have to achieve X, Y, Z to be loved. And so cultivating that true self-love is not like a face mask and a bubble bath. It can, it's like hard and scary and you really don't always know what you're going to find. Like I literally just talked to my therapist about this yesterday. I was like, but what if I take off another layer and like, I don't know what's going to be there, you know? (laughs) Well, that's exactly what people are afraid of. Like when you really look within and when you really face your shadows and your patterns of victim or villain or hero, whatever the drama triangle pattern you're in or whatever, it's like, oh, I don't like that. I thought I was, you know, this perception of me that doesn't have all that crap, Mm -hmm. but no, we all have the crap. We all sweep things under the rug that we need to look at. And 
And it doesn't mean that you're wrong or bad. It just, it actually means that because of your willingness and curiosity, you're going to be able to clean that stuff up and move through it and it's going to get even better. So it's, it's not until we actually take a look at the parts of us that we might not be so excited about that we can actually have the freedom that a lot of us are craving. Right, right. And okay, you said one thing that I think we can definitely dive into a little deeper. And it's the concept of the drama triangle. Like I'm a little familiar with it. But for people who have never heard of it, can you explain what that is and how it plays a role in like our personal development and self love? Sure. It's this model. I don't know who created it. I'm not good with the little tiny facts and more of like the vision and person, but it's a model. If you can imagine a triangle and it's called the drama triangle, but it doesn't have to mean like she's being dramatic or gossipy. It's like any time that there's dis-ease or tension or anxiety or something that isn't like the most delightful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's when you and or someone that you are interacting with are playing into a character or an archetype of either a victim which is like, the world is hard. That person's not nice. It's like caging yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. poor me. The villain, which is making other people wrong. Oh, she always does that. Well, if they would ever be on time to a meeting, so it's like the bully or the hero, which often a lot of women, especially coaches, fall into because the hero is the one that wants to save people from their own shadow or doing their own work or their own challenges and the hero might seem to be a great answer, but it ends up being toxic because you're taking on other people's stuff mm-hmm. and, and lessons and so forth. So typically anytime there's dis-ease, you're in that archetype, one of them, or sometimes a lot of them at once. I, I remember this conversation I had with someone years ago and it was really awkward because it was like they they were all three in one conversation and it was an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and, and I was just remember I like ran into him at the gym and I remember like feeling into that and I sat in my car after the conversation and I was like, wow, I understand now why I didn't stay because that was so so many layers of drama that it was almost hard to catch. He was in so many of the archetypes. And so yeah, sometimes you don't realize that you are in these archetypes because they're what you've been taught by your parents or people in your friend circle or people that you work with. And so like they say, you can't always see the label when you're in the bottle. Mm. So it's hard to catch this unless you have people in your life who are mirrors who can talk with you or bring up, hey, that triggered me when you did this. And you don't go into villain, you don't go into whatever, you you can just kind of be with that. So unless you're like, you know, you or me, like you're having therapy and all this and, and you're really getting into the work, it's hard to actually see where you might be falling if there is any dis-ease or or such. Yeah, yeah. So like getting out of the drama triangle can be, it can be removing yourself from like an actual situation, but it can also just be the way that you are framing things and, you know, perceiving them in your mind, like the lens that you look at the world through. Precisely. Yeah. So, you know, everyone kind of has this way of seeing the world and like sunglasses that they look through. And maybe you're looking at the world through victim sunglasses or villain sunglasses or hero sunglasses, or maybe you're just secure and you're not owning anyone else's stuff and you're tapping into trust of how things are unfolding and you believe and have faith in timing and so on. And so really getting out of that is a spiritual practice, Mm. really, is what I see it to be. And, And so I am in a bubble of people who are 
out the triangle for yeah. the most part. And it's interesting because when you surround yourself with people, maybe you have a family reunion or something, or you're just meet up with a new group of people and they're in it, it's really easy to spot because there's tension or there's complaining or there's little indicators that can show you that someone's not taking ownership and responsibility for their own experience. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break from self-care and talk about skincare. Of course, self-care goes far beyond face masks and bubble baths, but who doesn't love a good face mask, honestly? My current favorite is this exfoliating treatment mask from Tula, which has bentonite clay for gentle exfoliation and blueberry extract to hydrate and improve skin tone. I personally have very dry and sensitive skin, so exfoliating masks and treatments and stuff can be really hit or miss. And this one is a definite hit. I don't feel dry or over exfoliated at all after just like a nice healthy glow and better skin texture. And it's also this really pretty blue color from from the blueberry extract. So I'm a big fan. It's perfect for those Instagram stories, you know, and I've also forced my boyfriend who has oily skin to use it. And he was like taken aback by how great his skin looked after one use. So truly it is for everyone. And I'm going to be real. I love their entire line of products that I have literally exclusively been using Tula stuff since the beginning of 2018. And I swear by them. Like I've, you know, used like some samples from other brands and stuff. And I always keep going back from back to Tula because they are my ride or die. And what makes Tula so special is that they use probiotics as a foundation for all of their products. And probiotics have been proven, obviously gut health, it, probiotics are great for that, but they've also been proven to help promote the look of skin's natural balance, locking in moisture to leave your complexion more hydrated and reducing the appearance of inflammation. And not only are the probiotics incredible for your skin, but they also only use clean, clinically proven, high-quality ingredients that nourish your skin and are cruelty-free, so you really don't have to sacrifice efficacy in order to get products that you feel great about using. You guys know that I'm extremely picky about what goes in and on my body, so I'm grateful to have found products that work and have really, really great ingredients. If you want to learn more about Tula products, they have this incredible, really fun skin quiz on their website, which is Tula.com. So head on over, take the quiz, browse their products, grab the exfoliating treatment mask, and be sure to use code Marie at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com, and the 20% off code is Marie, M-A-R-I-E. Now let's get back to the episode. And you said like a big part of it is having trust and faith that like there is divine timing and that things are happening for you. And so, I mean, there's probably a time when you didn't have such a strong foundation in that. So can you give us an example of like what has really rooted you in that belief and just that like everything is happening for you? Yeah, absolutely. Every moment is an example, but I would say that the biggest one was when my dad died. He died seven and a half years ago. And I could look at that in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. right? I could look at that as that's not fair. I could be angry about why he died. He was an alcoholic. I could, you know, be sad and grieving for a long time. None of it is wrong per se, you know, or I could trust 
And it wasn't at that time where I just had radical trust and I was like at peace, like, okay, this happened. I'm at peace. No, I had to go through the process of learning about how life gives us exactly what we want and what we need and whether we, it feels like it or not. So for me, when I experienced his death, it really woke me up to life and it put me on a consciousness path and it put me on the path of like, well, if life can go that fast, I might as well do what Mm. I want. So it led to entrepreneurship in a lot of ways as well. And, and so it's not like in that moment I had the trust. It was through his death that I realized that, wow, that wouldn't have happened. Then I wouldn't have been here, there, everywhere. Like it's like this unfolding that happened so richly because of the greatest thing, death, that allowed me to see that everything is perfect, even if it sucks, even if it's the most heartbreaking thing, which his death was. It's like it was perfect. And I'm grateful because through that, I was able to see this lesson that we're even talking about. So it's kind of getting meta, but it's like through his death, I had to learn trust. Through his death, I had to learn faith. Through his death, I had to learn the perfect orchestration of timing of life's unfolding and the events that happen, even when the events are unfavorable. So I would say that death was my greatest teacher for this lesson. And I think a lot of people don't learn this until later in life because they might not have loved ones die later Mm -hmm. in life. But I'm grateful that in my 20s, I had the experience of death because it has led me to this lens and it has led me to having this deep faith and the unfolding of events and occurrences. And and also the reminder that I'm a, I get to make a choice. Mm. I'm a co-creator, but I'm not the creator of my life. So if something happens and I'm the co-creator, I get to have the choice and I get to make the decision of what I do with that thing, whether it's cutting me off in traffic or the death of someone that I love. So for me, it's that I would say is the greatest example of this I wouldn't even call it a concept because it's just a universal truth (laughs) of what life is about in terms of the unfolding and trusting. And it's like, it's that also coupled with radical ownership over your life, right? Like you said, if you're in traffic and you get cut off, like you have a couple of choices there. You can get mad and let it become drama. You can take ownership over the situation and say, oh, well, how I react to this, you know, creates my reality. You know, you can believe that that just saved you from getting hit by a different car. Like there are all these different things that you can believe, but it's up to you to take ownership over the situation and make the best out of it. And that doesn't mean that like everything is great in the moment or feels great in the moment. That doesn't mean that it feels fun and perfect, but it's just like taking it at face value and saying, okay, how can I use this to, you know, become more me or move forward in some way? Yeah. And it's just getting out of the victim archetype of the drama triangle. So like for the example of someone cutting you off, if you view it as they did that to Mm. you, that means that you're in the victim, right? Or if they just did that, it's like, okay, that's information. They they might've had a really hard day. They might be having a hard time in their relationship. They might not have enough money to pay for their mortgage this month. They might've lost someone today in their family that passed. So not making a story about someone's out to attack you. It's just, it's just, in my mind, like, okay, that's information. And I'm going to make a story if I'm going to make a story (laughs) at all, or just let it go that it's, they're dealing with their own stuff. So like, namaste. Yeah. Bless and release. Like it doesn't have to be personal. And like, I mean, I think it's very true, especially in this day and age, like 
people are really in their own stuff all the time, right? So most of the time, if something happens like that, like you get cut off, not necessarily someone cuts you off, but you get cut off in traffic or something happens, like you instantly start creating a story without realizing that that person doesn't even know you and that person probably wasn't thinking about you because everyone's (laughs) just in their own stuff all the time. Yeah. And it almost reminds me of like when people are kind of trolls online, that's almost like our version of this cutoff thing. And it's like someone doesn't know you or else they probably wouldn't write that horrific Mm. comment to you or review for you. And if they did know you and they looked into your eyes, they'd probably remember that you're a human and you're doing the best you can. And it might even remind them that they're human and they're doing the best they can too. So yeah, there's a lot of projection and there's a lot of toxicity in in this like, I'm here and I need to protect myself kind of thing where really we can work on how can we be here for each other. So I'm a big advocate of kindness and spreading Mm -hmm. kindness and reminding people that we're here together. We're moving from humans to humanity and and noticing how we might be separate or being mean to each other doesn't really do anything for the greater good. I mean, overall, it's like a movement towards all of us being softer, right? Like if we are all always all have a wall up, we're always like us against the world type of mentality, like we're not going to make any progress as humankind, but being softer is scary. Well, yeah. And it kind of goes into the whole, you know, thing that's happening in our world where more women are becoming powerful and in positions of power. And so we're shifting almost polarities from the masculine to the Mm. feminine in terms of people coming into power that have more of a feminine energy, not that they need to be like, you know, soft in what they're doing. It's just more of an energy and essence to the way that they are in the world. And that is going to hopefully spread really, really fast as we're like in this change of polarity so that everyone can kind of come back to their truest natures, which is that loving Mm -hmm. place. And so what would you say to someone who is of the belief that like the feminine energy and that polarity equals weakness, you know, because like kind of the conventional, very traditional opinion is like masculinity is strength, but what strength is in femininity? Yeah. Well, first that's just silly if someone thinks that. I agree. I agree. (laughs) But it's like, I feel like it's a common thing and it's a reason why people don't lean into the femininity. Yeah. I think there's a fear in misconception of kindness being weakness or femininity being weakness. In fact, I was just at a retreat up in Ojai, California for embodiment and embodying your wild woman. And there was a gal there who, you know, was in her masculine and And she was moving into her feminine and she's like, you know, I was taught since I was a young girl that I had to be tough and I had to be strong. And I believed that so much that I'm anxious all the time, that I'm stressed Mm -hmm. all the time, that I can't turn my mind off. And so that's just one small example of what always staying in the doing, always staying in the rigidity and the the focus and the certainty kind of essence will do is it creates stress, it creates burnout. It kind of makes someone lose their mm-hmm. magic. I think we're all born with an artisan soul and we can't really be creators and we can't really do what we want to do in the world and have the freedom we want and the the privileges that we create the privileges we want and all that if 
we're in that rigidity all the time because the opposite of that is the flow, is the creativity, is where the magic can happen, is where your ideas are birthed. And so just like she's mentioning, wow, being quote strong and tough and not backing down has gotten me into nothing but the most stressful career I could ever imagine no relationship, no kids, and adrenal fatigue that I've been trying to heal for four years. I mean, the proof's Mm -hmm. in the pudding, right? So Mm -hmm. whether you are a man or a woman, the integrating the embodiment and the part of you that is more heart-centric, I would say is a wise move. And I wouldn't say that a lot of humans are wise. I would say a lot of humans are in survival. Mm. And so it's kind of like, When you get to the point of the hierarchy of needs to be out of survival, then you start to realize how important this stuff is, Mm -hmm. right? So trying to convince someone of something that they might not even be able to tap into yet if they don't get it. But hopefully that helps them see that it's possible for them and it it will benefit them at some time. Yeah, it's definitely something that you have to be not ready for because I don't think we ever feel fully ready to like leave our comfort zone and leave that walled place that we built for ourselves, but you have to be in a space where you're able to go there and like, you know, leave, leave your castle and like, you know, put the bridge down and walk out. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen for people until they feel secure in terms of finances Mm -hmm. and all these things. And so I think that what I find is people who integrate into the feminine more and they start to say, okay, I want to dip my toe into that is because they've almost the one they have to, or else they're going to, you know, their body will literally just combust or they have the spaciousness to tap into that wisdom. So my hope is that people can tap into that wisdom before it comes to those two things. And with this like feminine energy and celebrating femininity, one thing that I love that you talk about is being a queen, like just the concept of being a queen. (laughs) So can you elaborate on like what that means within business, self, health, relationships? Like what does being a queen look like for you? Yeah. The first time I ever heard of this concept, I was actually in an eating psychology certification program and they were talking about how princesses, you know, aren't okay with their curves. Well, this is my words and mm-hmm. my spark notes, but it was basically like the princess, you know, is like, oh, my body isn't skinny enough or strong enough or my face, I should get this kind of plastic surgery or Botox. Like it's, that's the princess mode or the princess archetype. And they talked about how the queen loves and accepts her body and feels comfortable with her food choices and and embraces them. And, and it's like it was this idea of moving from almost what I perceived as a kid to a woman or an immaturity to a maturity or, or like a smart to a wise place. And so I was like, huh, okay, I don't want to be a princess. I want to be, I am yeah. a queen. So okay, I need to start acting like it. And so it started with food and body actually. And then it moved into my life. So it moved into romantic relationship. It moved into my own way of being with myself, whether that was boundaries with people, boundaries with myself, things that were my bare essentials that I did for myself. A queen doesn't rush herself mm-hmm. in the morning. A queen leaves time between activities. She doesn't move fast with 30 seconds between tasks on her calendar. A queen 
decides how she will move through things to the next to the next. A queen doesn't say baths are extra. She pours it and adds rose petals. A queen doesn't say, oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. I can't meet you that day. A queen says, I'm available this day instead. So it's it's like sort of just activating this part of me that wasn't rude or pompous, but that just mm-hmm. knew that I am worth whatever I want to be worth, that I am enough, that my body's gorgeous, that the decisions I make are amazing, even if there are consequences that I get to learn from making them. That, you know, I, it was almost like I started to wrap myself in this like gold light instead of seeing myself as someone that I, something that needed to be mm. worked on. Because I'm so often fed like through not just beauty and fitness and wellness, but from even entrepreneurship, like you never hit the limit. There's always a moving yeah. target. You know, you're always never you working it. on yourself. But yeah, and a queen is like, I'm settled and I'm here. Not saying that she's not growing, but a queen is settled and she's here right now and grounded in that. So so that was the first time back in the day, years and years ago, I heard about this archetype and then I started to take it into my life and started playing with it. What would a queen do? Would a queen, you know, say yes to that or no to that? Or would a queen, you know, have an excuse or just own the fact that she wanted that freaking thing at that time and had no justification. So yeah, so I started to play with it. And I think it's an important topic because I think people are, you know, talking about the goddess energy and the queendom and all of that. But it's like, it's almost like the queen just knows she's a queen because of her way of being. And and so it's hard to explain, but I hope I did. Yeah, no, I think that that was very eloquent. And like, I'm sure I'm speaking for everyone listening where you just kind of felt that in your body, like what it would be like to be a queen and how you can start implementing that into your life and like feeling that just with everything that you do, like even the way you explained it and like how your voice shifted as you like a queen does this and you're like, ah, yes, luxury. (laughs) Yeah. Embodied, like no sorries, no apologies type of way of being. Not that you want to stomp all over people. (laughs) In fact, it's not even that at all. It's just more of a texture and a color and a flavor of Mm -hmm. being. And so I think that's magnetic and that's attractive to people because who really wants to be in scarcity and always feeling like they need to get better and trying to prove themselves to others? Like no one really wants that. That Mm -hmm. sucks. (laughs) So if we stay in this queendom, then we realize like, oh, wow, I don't need to be doing all these things. Like I am good the way I am right now with my (laughs) cup of tea and my dog. That's it. Like there's not to be more. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, okay. It sounds like you have that mostly mastered, right? But as a human being, like we're always changing, evolving, new things come up. So if you ever have a day where you're not feeling like a queen and you're not in queen mode, do you have like go-to practices or things that you return to, to help you kind of recenter and embody that again? Yeah, absolutely. So my little pick-me-ups, number one is resting. So this was like so scary for me to start doing because I had all these stories and rules that I had created for myself that, well, after you wake up, you don't go back to bed. Yeah. Like naps are for wimps, like blah, 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 right? All these rules. And so the number one thing I'll do is I'll just go rest. And so sometimes I'll just like be naked <laughs> uh, in my backyard, like in the sun and I'll just like oh God, lay there. That. like Or I'll go back in my bed and I'll just snuggle up with a book and just start reading or, or sometimes I like to write. Sometimes writing actually gets me back into this feeling of mm-hmm. yum. And then honestly, if it won't work where I'm just like, all right, I need to shake up my energy. I like to get into my body. So a bike ride, I'll go on a bike ride and that just like 
makes me feel so much joy and kind of come back to that essence or a walk with my dog or even one of my favorite things to do is just like call up a friend and be like, hey, do you want to meet for lunch or do you want to meet for a tea real quick? Because I get a lot of energy from talking with people and being with people. So like doing that or just anything that are pick-me-ups and you're allowed to do it. And I think with that, I used to think that, you know, okay, I have to get everything done and then Mm. I can enjoy. And so you increase your capacity for pleasure and you increase your capacity for mindfulness and like deciding what you want to do that will fully serve you, which usually is something pleasurable, then you can come into that energy and that essence and that queen. But if you're telling yourself, you know, I need to do my emails, I need to record this video, I can't cancel that podcast because they planned on it. If you're making these rules for yourself, you're really limiting your ability to tap Mm -hmm. into that because that's blocking flow in itself. So I've given myself more permission to enjoy more. And uh, let me tell you, I did not luxuriate in it when I first started yeah. this stuff. Like I wasn't just, I am a pick me up queen. Like if I'm feeling low, I'm just going to take a nap. I felt so much resistance because I was not taught that mm. that was okay. I was taught that you should experience pleasure after right. you take care of everything and everyone It has to be earned, else. right? Yes. It's a formula. It's like a mathematical equation. And so it wasn't until I started to be really uncomfortable with testing this BS formula that I'd been fed and believed that I was like, you know what? This is not true because I get just as much done. I have just as much, if not more success. And I feel better without migraines and tension in my shoulders the whole time. So, so it's been this process that I've had to lean into uncomfortably. And I will tell you the result is magic. Yeah. I've started really leaning into this as well. And I, like you said, when it first was a thing that I was aware of, there was so much resistance and it like made me feel worse at the beginning because I was like realizing what needed to change, but I had so much resistance and I was judging the resistance and all of those things. But then I realized like in order to make it better or in order to drop into that flow, like I had to push through the resistance and I had to lean into that. And now that I have, it's like, a total game changer. Cause like you said, you still get all the things done. You still do all the things, check all the boxes, but it feels so much better when you're doing it because you're not pushing through everything and ignoring what you're truly like desiring in the moment. Yeah. And I would say it's nice to have accountability partner here because we can get so addicted to these patterns of stress mm-hmm. and anxiety because they're proving to the body on a nervous system level that something's yeah. getting done. Even if it's not the nervous system says, okay, the stress yeah. means something's happening when it's not. It can be actually a physiological addiction. So Scott was almost like by default, my accountability partner, cause he loved me so much. And he was just like, you know what, what if you did this instead? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't do that. And he's like, okay, baby, but just try. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and so he would be almost this like really, really beautiful partner for me to be like, it's safe. It's okay. And I'd be like, <laughs> it's not. And he was like, and I'm like, ah, and then I test it and try it. And I'd be like, it felt so good, you know? Ah. And, and even like I would, I have this phone call every Sunday for about five, maybe five, more than five years with these two other women. We're in our little soul sister mastermind. We just talk for an hour. It's really beautiful. And I would tell them like, I tested luxuriating today and it mm. sucked, you know, <laughs> I, was like, I tested just enjoying myself and yeah. it was awful. And they would laugh and giggle and they'd be like, there's still more time this week to try again, you know? And so I think having people that you can talk with that can almost be light about it because it, it honestly, it feels a little weird to be like, I am just going to have pleasure mm-hmm. all day. And whoa, 
And I think what came up for me too is, can I still be in integrity with all of my agreements and also in the pleasure yeah. of flow? And for me, I realized, oh, integrity is being integrity to myself mm. above all. And so that was like a switch also, like a light bulb that allowed me to have more pleasure too. And, and not at the expense of anyone, of course, but just to own what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm so like inspired now to really embody the queen mode and like being a queen. And I think, like I said, I'm like on the path there, but just hearing you from maybe five steps ahead of the, I don't want to say pursuit because that feels like trying too hard. Masculine. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I'm on the pursuit of feeling good. <laughs> Must find it. In my desire to feel that way, like I feel like maybe you're a couple steps ahead of me. So it's been really cool to just hear how you have gone through that process and how you have, you know, experience that resistance and how all of the things that I feel or our listeners are feeling like they're so normal and it's so part of the process and like anything that comes with doing that inner work, you know, facing your shadows, unlocking your potential, like it's not always pretty fun, you know, sassy, like it can be scary and hard and not feel good. And we can be so resistant, even though we know it's for the best. Yeah. And one last thing too, I'll say when someone's coming to practice this whole thing called pleasure and flow and all of that, that I heard at this retreat that I was like, oh, mm -hmm. it's so good is the teacher, she said, well, my teacher once said, now we're getting meta teacher, the grandmother teacher said, a practice that works is a practice that mm -hmm. you'll do. So maybe for you, it's like, you're not going to go do some wild feminine thing. Maybe for you, it's like, I promise to leave myself 15 minutes between things scheduled in my calendar, or I promise to take 10 minutes to drink my tea with a book in the morning, or maybe it's, it's something really small that you start with, because the more that you see the positive effects, the more likely yeah. you'll do more of it, but you don't want to be masculine and be like, oh, I'm going to make everything feminine. And then <laughs> it just doesn't work because that's much of a shift in nervous system too fast. Oh, I used to try really hard to have a self-care to-do list. <laughs> And I was like, wait a second, this is so counterproductive. Like I'm trying to force taking care of myself and trying to like pre-plan how I want to be cared for. And it's just like, it's hard to escape from not, I don't know if escape's the right word, but it's hard to separate yourself. Yeah. And our nervous systems are so, you know, tweaked towards fast paced efficiency, doing, 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 and not having that spaciousness in between. So we can't blame yeah. ourselves, you know, to, to list our self, yeah. uh, self love, <laughs> but yeah, it, you're right. It's just one step at a time and almost letting it unfold versus trying to pre-plan. You got it. Well, this has been such a life-giving conversation for me and I'm sure for all of our listeners. So where can they find you if they want more Libby? Yeah, I agree. This feels yeah. really juicy. It's not my usual my usual show and I'm from the questions that I answer. Yeah. I just want to thank you for bringing such a deep and rich conversation to people. Oh, You're amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah. Everything's at Libby Crow, L-I-B-B-Y-C-R-O-W, like the bird. So I'm on Instagram. My website's Libby Crow. My podcast is behind the dream, but you can search Libby Crow and it'll come up. So yeah, everything's Libby Crow. 
Guys, go send Livy some love. Tell her thank you for all of the wisdom and kindness and queen energy that she sent us today. And Livy, thank you again for your time. But before we go, there's always one last question because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We always ask, what is one thing that you are currently grinding toward or attracting if you want to be more in the feminine? And what is something that you are hugely grateful for? Mm, I am so excited to grind or create or whatever we want to call it. Grind, I always think it's like sen- sensual. Like I'm going to grind. <laughs> that works too. Said that, but I did. So I'm starting to write my very first book. I will grind on that all day. Yeah. So that, and then I'm so, 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 so grateful for clean water. It's so life-giving. And I'm so grateful that it's just a privilege yeah. that we have each and every day. The little things that are actually huge. Right. I love my spring water. Like it's, Spring water out of glass, that is magic. And I am grateful every day. My husband and I do gratitudes every day as well. So thanks for bringing this to the world too. I think everyone can integrate that kind of practice. You rock. Thank you. Well, of course, thank you again for your time and everything that you have shared today. Guys, go send Libby some love and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye guys. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends